Hello and welcome to the Education Community Podcast, an exciting new platform brought to you by Bernardo's, the National Children's Charity. My name is Chris Paul and I will be your podcast host. Our aim is to produce episodes that will be supporting mental health and well-being across a variety of education services within the United Kingdom. We plan to interview a range of professionals in order for us to have a wider understanding of staff well-being, trauma, loss and bereavement as we continue to try and navigate through the difficult times faced across the country. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Bernardo's Education Community Podcast. We hope that you're well and we thank you for joining us with another session today. In today's podcast, we are going to focus on bereavement for children and young people, in particular, focus looking at education settings. Today, we are joined by Claire Jeffrey, who joins us from Winston's Wish, which is a children's charity focusing purely on bereavement, loss and grief. And I'm sure you will get a lot from Claire's interview, which features later on in the podcast. We will be joined initially by one of our project workers, Safira Bourne, and Safira will be talking about the Bernardo's education community and some of the events that we have planned over the next few months. But thanks again for, for listening to the podcast. As we record this, the children and young people across the United Kingdom are at different stages in terms of returning to education, and we are starting to see them filtering back into schools more. So hopefully you guys as education professionals are managing that okay and this is a a chance for you I suppose to listen in and reflect on some tips and useful information to support those children and young people if they are dealing with particular issues as I say such as bereavement, loss and grief. So hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll start playing the interviews now. First interview as I say will be with Safira Bone project worker for Bernardo's education community and the second interview will be with Claire Jeffrey of Winston's Wish. So I'm now joined by Safira, one of the project workers at the education community. Safira, you are going to be sharing some of the information in regards to events and also training. But first of all, can you tell the listeners what sort of events we've got planned for the education community? Yeah, that'd be great. Hi, Chris. Um, so on the events um, section of our newly launched website, um, there's quite a few opportunities for staff to get involved in. So we've got things like live training that um, will um, staff will be able to register for. Um, and that's going to be a two hour session. And it's mainly focusing on staff well-being and promoting that um, and, and looking at the importance of that during this time, really. Um, we're also going to have... Um, a new monthly event that's going to be brew and chat um, and that's an opportunity just to come have a cup of coffee and just have a chat just to support staff um, across the four nations and um, so you can just hop on um, during a lunch break and just have a chat with you know kind of what's going on for you and any support you may need and it's a really great opportunity to network as well and just offer each other that support. Uh, we've also got lunch and learn opportunities as well, which are just short bite-sized um, training opportunities, really. Um, so they'll be live. Um, again, it's something that you can register for, but little bite-sized chunks on um, things that you can just kind of fit in during a break or, or around lunchtime. 
That sounds really good. And it's just that informal support that hopefully we'll be able to, to offer people. And it's great that, that we're putting something out for, for staff well-being as well. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's great. Also, uh, I think you're going to be sharing some of the training and the CPD opportunities that we've got coming up. Is that correct? Yeah, that would be great, Chris. We've got a, a suite of CPD um opportunities for uh, education staff to be able to um, support them with with upskilling and just getting a bit more information on different topics so um, we've got information around trauma bereavement grief and loss um, as part of our suite of CPD we've also got um, bite-sized videos as well which um, just help when you've just got a little bit of time but you want to kind of just dip into something and just find a little bit more information about a specific topic to help support children and pupils in your school. So, uh, so yeah, we'll be keeping on uploading more CPD opportunities for staff as we go on. That's excellent. And I think that's a, a very good point in regards to, you know, it being an ongoing process. And I think that's something that everybody needs to keep an eye on. There'll be more opportunities, but thank you very much for coming along and, and sharing those. And I'm looking forward to working on it with you. Yes, no, brilliant. Thank you, Chris. I am now joined by Claire Jeffrey of Winston's Wish. Thank you very much, Claire, for coming to the podcast today, and we really appreciate you giving your time for us. How are things with yourself? Oh yeah, not too bad. Adjusting to life in lockdown a little bit. Um, so yeah, getting used to working from home and spending a lot of time on the screen. And I've been really surprised actually at how much we've been able to adjust to this kind of work if you'd asked me a year ago can you deliver the kind of work that we deliver at Winston's Wish over Zoom I I might have been a bit hesitant about whether that was possible but I'm amazed at how quickly we've adapted to that and 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 how quickly families have adapted to working in that way and it's working really well actually that's great that's brilliant thank you very much for for that and I think that is probably the, the same for a lot of people at the minute. They're, they're finding that they've been able to cope in these circumstances, um, deliver, which is crucial to obviously what you guys do, delivering those supports um, to, to the people that need it. Um, and yourself in, in lockdown then, and how, how's your lockdown journey been on a, a personal level? Because we like to focus on the well-being of people on our podcast as well. Yeah, so it's it's a strange one. And I feel a bit differently now than I did back in March. And back in March, it was kind of, you know, it was obviously very scary. It was new. We didn't quite know what was going on. I think I probably naively went home on the, what was it, the 23rd of March when we were sent home and thought, okay, well, there's a couple of weeks working from home. This will be nice. And um, I, I, I really, really did not think that nearly a year later we would we would still be in the same position. So, yeah, I kind of, you know, I, I remember feeling like this is a, this is an advantage too. It's not something that I would wish on anyone on the world, but there are definitely some positives that, that came from it from me personally. You know, being able to spend some time, I've got a 10-year-old, so being able to spend some time at home with him was was really joyous. You know, we I felt like I spent a lot of my time before wishing I could be at home and then suddenly we were given this gift of time and uh that was really nice um and yeah it was it's it's been lovely I've realized a few things so my excuse of why I don't tidy my house because I'm busy at work is 
uh, is that's not true. I just don't tidy my house because I can't be bothered <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, now I'm at home, uh, I probably should have more time to do that, but it still doesn't get done. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, I think I also realise I miss, I miss, like everybody, you know, I miss being with people. I miss my family and my friends. It's small things like, you know, being able to go to the supermarket with my mother-in-law, which I used to do every week, and, you know, get, having a cup of tea with my friends. You know, I'm not able, not being able to do that is, I find that really hard. It's the things that we took for granted, I suppose, that, that we can't do. Um, and hopefully, moving forward, uh, we, we can do that soon. Um, but, no, I thank you for, for sharing that. And, and obviously today you're here to to talk about bereavement, I suppose, in, in our podcast today, which is obviously a key area in our project, um, but also just a key area in general. It's something that is a touched on in the, the first part of the podcast that, you know, everybody experiences through life, you know, at a different stage. And our focus today is on child bereavement, obviously with yourselves at Winston's Wish. Now, I spoke about Winston's Wish at the start of the podcast, but I was very keen not to go to uh, much into detail because that is what I'm hoping you can do because you'll know that a lot better than I can. So can you please tell us, first and foremost, obviously your role with Winston's Wish, but also with Winston's Wish in general and the support that you guys offer? So, uh, yeah, sure. My role at Winston's Wish is uh, within the children and young people's team. So that means I'm very, I feel very privileged because that means I get to work directly with the with the young people who access some support from us. Um, and I work with uh, young people individually um, and also sometimes whole families all together. Um, and that at the moment is being done uh, over Zoom or over telephone. So we're, we're really kind of harnessing that digital approach to offering support. And, as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I've been really surprised at how well we've been able to kind of make that transition over to working in that way. Um, we at Winston's Wish, we really believe strongly that people need the right support at the right time. So we have made a really big commitment to saying, you know, when someone phones up and asks for some support from us, that we're responsive in a timely way. Um, you know, people are, you know, calling us because they need something and they don't want to wait months and months and months, you know, and if they've called us, that usually means that they need something right now. So we, we try to be really committed to being as responsive as we can. I mean, in general, Winston's Wish has been around for 29 years. Um, I, even though I look old, I haven't been here that long. I've, I've worked at Winston's Wish for eight years and um, it's been, you know, there've been lots of changes in that time, but it's been, it's been an amazing kind of uh, process to, to go through no less over the last 12 months when we've really made some quite significant changes. One of the biggest things that we've changed is that we can now support people because we're working digitally, we can support people from all over the UK, um, which was much more difficult before when we were offering face-to-face work in our like local areas. So it's great, you know, that we can be more diverse and we can offer support to anyone, no matter where their location is. So it's kind of my little personal aim to try and have someone in every corner of the country. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, we know that for young people, having a chance to talk about their experience of bereavement is really important. You know, having a space where someone says, you know, what's happened to you is really significant 
and we're going to offer you some time to to make sense of that to understand that to understand your feelings and connection with that to be able to process what's happened to you um that is really really important so um yeah we don't we we never underestimate the importance of giving people that kind of space so yeah i work in the children and young people team there's another strand of the bereavement support services who will work directly with parents and carers so sometimes um parents will phone up and maybe their children are really young and they can't work in this way they can't do face to face or it's maybe a bit early on for them and they need a bit of support in for example we we often get a lot of calls that say you know we've just experienced the death in our family and i don't know how to tell the children i don't know quite what to say and you know the people in those teams will be able to support those families through that process um we also have a a helpline who offer support you know throughout the day they take lots and lots of calls that are really wide ranging they can be direct from carers they might be from school staff who are saying gosh i've got this child in my classroom and i really don't know i'm at a bit of a loss as to what to do to support them um and there's lots of resources on our on our website too so yeah there's there's loads of avenues in which we try to support people um uh, but it, yeah, it's a privilege to be able to do a job like this. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds excellent, and I'm I'm well aware of the amazing work that, that you do, and you know, for me the the exciting bit is the fact that you can support across the United Kingdom as you picked up. I've got a Scottish accent, um, so that's it's very good to know, um, and and I'll certainly be sharing that within my networks here. Uh, but no, you do such a, an important role, and one of the questions that that I was wanting to ask was. Obviously, in bereavement, we, you know, we've got our, our, our funerals that we attend and we've got our stuff that we, we try and go through. I lost my gran when, when I was a, a young person um, and she was a real rock for me. But we had that opportunity to spend her last you know, time at our bedside. We had the funeral, we had the scattering of the ashes. We'd done all of that stuff, which for me helped me process it. Are you finding now for children and for families that have experienced it in the COVID sort of timeline, not necessarily in relation to COVID, but they're not getting those opportunities to to do those things? Yeah, absolutely. We know from experience that having opportunities to take part in those kind of rituals, the opportunities to say goodbye, you're absolutely right. They, They help people to make sense of what's happened to them. Um... And with that being stripped away, that does make things incredibly difficult. And I probably am seeing a a real increase with some of the young people I'm working with where having opportunities to say goodbye was just wasn't afforded to them. And that is, you know, that, that stays with them. And that's really, that's really tough. You know, particularly when, you know, I think for lots of people, when someone dies, we have these kind of almost like movie style images in our head about what goodbye is going to be like, you know, you get to go around someone's bedside and share really poignant messages. And in truth, it's probably not always quite like that. Um, And people feel a bit cheated then when when they don't get to have those opportunities. But to not even be able to go and say goodbye, you know, actually feeds into this one of the stages of grief being, you know, kind of disbelief and denial, you know. I think that that probably plays a big part in prolonging that stage for people, this kind of idea that we didn't get to see them. So maybe that didn't really happen, you know, particularly for young children, you know, they 
they very much work on hard facts, you know, and they they find it difficult to uh, imagine things. And so, um, yeah, if they if they haven't been able to go through some of that, then then it, they will just be waiting at the door, still waiting for that person to come through. And that's that's really tough. That's a really tough place to be. Um, I I did some training the other day, and I thought it was I thought it was amazing. So one of my uh, other parts of my role at Winston's Wish is to support young people with special educational needs and disabilities who have been bereaved. And uh, I did some training and they said, um, actually, at the moment, the way that we're all experiencing these kind of restrictions around being able to view the body or being able to go to a funeral, being able to take part in anniversaries and those kinds of rituals, uh, that's actually what most people with learning difficulties experience in life generally, is that they're not usually included in those things. And it made me really realise, actually, that this is, you know, we're getting to experience what it's like to be segregated in that way a little bit. And hopefully one of the positive things that could come out of this is that we are a little bit more inclusive of people who would have normally been a bit disenfranchised in that way. Um so yeah, I think it's I think it's having a huge impact on people at the moment. No, that's a very good point. And I think it, it, it moves us on to probably discussing what, what our main aim is of this podcast is to reach education staff and um, that could be teachers or the support staff the wider team leaders head teachers and moving on to the, you know that particular area what would be your advice for a teaching staff member at the minute who is engaging with a young person who or a child, young person who has experienced bereavement and they're, they're just trying to maybe deliver classes but also try and support them with their, their well-being at the minute? Well, first of all, I feel like I should say about all teachers is that currently they play, they've got a bit of a hero status in my eyes. They are doing an incredible job of supporting all our young people during what is a, an incredibly tough time, you know, and they're doing, I know, a million jobs in one go. So they're, you know, they're teaching from school, they're teaching at home, they're also supporting emotional well-being and, you know, all of the things that come come with that. And, you know, so I can understand why it might feel really overwhelming to, on, on top of that, to have to kind of think about trying to support a young person who comes into your class who's who's experienced a bereavement. My bit of advice would be that what young people tell me and they've, that what they've always told me over the, over my time at Winston's Wish is that um, the hardest thing is when people don't mention it at all. So I think we've got a very kind of British stiff upper lip attitude to talking about death, which is, oh, let's hold ourselves together. Let's, uh, you know, let's think about good things only. We, let's not mention that because we don't want to make people upset. And actually what young people tell me is that you know actually if you don't mention it it's as if it never happened and it's like you're ignoring it um and and probably the biggest bit of advice i could give is that you know you can just say to somebody very privately i'm really sorry to hear that your dad died um you can come and find me if you need me um and that sometimes just that and that is enough that for young people to know that someone has really recognized that this is a really significant thing that's happened um i i i think that one of our other bits of advice that we always give to people is about using really kind of factual language. Again, I think probably feeding into our kind of awkwardness about talking about death and dying is that we, there are a million ways to say that someone has died. You know, we say that someone's passed away, they've gone to sleep or, you know, they're pushing up the daisies, whatever it might be. We find a way to say it without saying the word died. And actually, particularly for very young people, it's really important that we use language 
that makes sense to them. And even though it might feel uncomfortable to say it as an adult, you know, actually using those factual uh, kind of that factual terminology makes a real difference in terms of supporting people to, to make sense of it. That's, that's excellent advice. And I think for, for anyone that, that's listening, teaching staff or, or, or anyone that's in contact with children and young people, I think that's stuff that we can all certainly transfer over. And, you know, I think that the, the, probably the wider issue is that the fact that we've touched on COVID already and the, the global uh, bereavement that, that is uh, happening just now. But that has obviously led to young people being at home more. And one of our concerns at the education community at Bernardo's is that teaching staff and, and support staff are usually key adults in a young person's life and they would usually have that opportunity to talk about that stuff. Do you think that with the young people being at home more, that's maybe had an impact in terms of them being able to engage in these conversations? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really hard for them to... You're right, I think children spend usually spend majority of their life at school uh where they'll get answers to things um and i think it's a natural response of a parent is to tend to be to shield children from those kinds of conversations when we're at home and so it's great usually to have a forum in an educational setting where you can have those conversations um i think that it is an interesting point we've seen i've definitely seen a big difference in young people so to start with there was a um we might have worked with young people it's really common to see young people who experience anxiety about separating from their kind of surviving parent or carer um you know after you've had a bereavement then the last thing you want is to to lose another one so you know you it's understandable that that anxiety might be increased um so when they would go to school there would be lots of worries about that and of course then when we went into lockdown and everyone was at home more I noticed a real decline in that anxiety, you know, because, okay, I've got my eyes on my mum now. I can see where she is. I know she's safe. I know she's well. That's fine. But of course, children have to go back to school again. And and the longer that they're at home, the more anxiety that will be kind of caused when they have to return to school again. And that's probably what I expect lots of teachers and teaching support staff will experience, you know, and, and we'll probably need to really consider when children do return back at some point in the future is that you know there will be particularly children who've experienced a bereavement you know are going to find might find that really difficult to leave their caregiver from home again um so having some support around that is going to be really crucial yeah no that's that's excellent thank you very much and i just wanted to to touch on that because we know that that has has been reflected back to us as as a potential issue and you know, uh, moving forward, if I, uh, somebody's listened to this and they're, they're liking what you're saying, which I would imagine they are, because as I say, the, the organisation is amazing, how can they get in touch with you? So we've got a website, so you can get in touch with us by uh, going on there. So it's www.winstonswish.org. Uh, we also, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a helpline, so you can get in touch with us on that. The number is 08088 020021. That, that number is etched on my mind. <laughs> um, that, so that is open uh, from nine to five. And as I mentioned earlier, that's for parents and carers, but it's also really good uh, for support staff. Um, so teachers in school use it regularly. Um, it can be, I, I want to make a real point actually about saying that it's really important for those teachers who are supporting bereaved young people in their class that they also take some time out to look after them. You know, I know that 
we're really uh, uh, passionate about supporting these young people, but you know there can be a huge impact on hearing lots of that stuff as a as a kind of teacher or, or or someone supporting young people. So it's really important that you look after you as well when you're doing that. And you know if that means that you call our helpline and say, you know what, I've got I've got this young person and they've told me this huge story and it's really difficult to hear and to hold. Actually, I just want to talk that through with somebody. You know that's absolutely what the helpline's there for. You know, it, it's it's really important that, that, that you guys look after yourself too. That would be my bit of advice. We are, are well aware that, you know, on the on the front, teaching looks like you deliver your subject or you deliver your, your, your English or your maths or whatever. But as I said, with that key adult, uh, the relationships that teachers are able to build, young people will go to them with these things and that does become, you know, could be overwhelming. Uh, so it's it's very good that that you've highlighted that, and I think for for the anyone listening, you know, certainly get in touch if if that is something that come comes up in in your conversations. And I think that sometimes is the hardest bit is recognizing that you're actually struggling with that and and, and carrying that forward. But it's good to know that there's there's great resources out there for for people to engage with. So I hope that 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 has been useful, and I hope that the interview, if you are supporting. Know young people with bereavement. I hope that this interview does help, and and certainly you know feel free to to get in touch with Winston's wish with the the information that, that Claire provided. But Claire, thank you very much for for your time. Um, really really appreciate it. Very insightful in in our conversations with teaching staff. We'll certainly continue to signpost them to yourself, and and hopefully uh, you get some interest from a Scottish perspective in the near future. <laughs> I hope so too. I would say as well, do do have a look on the website for those people who are wanting to maybe introduce more conversations about death and dying and bereavement. We've got some really good PSHE resources that we've just recently developed um, alongside uh, kind of schools and things. So um, it gives some really good ideas about lesson plans and and how to in- introduce that. So so do check that out on the website. There's loads and loads of information on there. Um, but no, I'm really, uh, really grateful for you in, uh, kind of uh, inviting me to come and talk. It's uh, I, I love talking about my job, and if it can support people more, then I'm, I'm always up for coming and chatting. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's great, and I think the the resources that you're speaking about there for the classes are excellent because what what that will actually do is remove the stigma that's attached to bereavement to death and and having those direct conversations and making sure that it's not the the elephant in the room if you like it, it's something that we can all talk about um is is key i think moving forward uh, but brilliant thank you very much and we we will wish you well and and everything that you're doing and thank you for all your your hard work working with the children and young people <laughs> Huge thanks to Claire Jeffrey and Sapphira Bourne for giving us their insights today on today's podcast. We know that the subject of bereavement can be a challenging one and can impact your own well-being. If that is the case, please feel free to reach out to ourselves at the Bernardo's Education Community. We have a number of resources available to support you with your own well-being. We are now going to end the podcast today with some mindfulness practice and I will pass you over to Sharon in a second to finish that. We have included these in the last six podcast episodes to try and give yourselves that level of support to end the podcast in a positive way and we do hope that that has been the case. Thank you again for listening to our podcast and as I said we'll now finish it by linking you over to Sharon of Mindfulness Time For Me. 
self-compassion break, bringing kindness in moments of difficulty. So to begin with, simply pause and just recognising what's happening for you in this moment. Acknowledging that this is a moment of difficulty. And acknowledging whatever this difficulty is. And saying to ourselves, this is a moment of suffering. And as I may suffer, so do others suffer too, in similar ways to I do. Perhaps acknowledging this difficulty by placing a hand on the heart and bringing some kindness to ourselves in this moment of difficulty. And saying to ourselves, may I bring kindness to myself in moments of difficulty. And recognising that this moment of difficulty will pass. Reflecting on how we can bring kindness to ourselves in moments of difficulty. Perhaps saying to ourselves, this is difficult. And as I suffer, so do others. And how can I be kind to myself in these moments of difficulty? Perhaps saying a kind phrase such as, I can get through this. This is a difficult moment for me. And how can I be kind to myself in this difficult moment? Perhaps I can be kind to myself by making myself a cup of tea, perhaps calling a friend, or maybe doing something that makes me feel good, such as practicing mindfulness or listening to music. So just really bringing in kindness when things are difficult. And if you've had your hand on your heart as a kind gesture, simply moving the hand away. With the wish that you go on with the rest of your day, bringing kindness to yourself when things are difficult. Bringing compassion and kindness to ourselves when things are tough. Thank you for listening to the Education Community Podcast brought to you by Bernardo's. We hope to see you again soon.